Welcome to episode 40 of the Collector's Quest podcast. On this episode, Kat and I talk to the lovely Haiti from Sweden, and she tells us all about her massive video game collection that's nearly about 6,000 games. You might know her as StopX Whispering on Twitter, or maybe as Retro underscore Gaming on Instagram, or maybe you know her from her blog, which is Retro-Video-Gaming.com. And you might even know her from Geeky Gals. She's all over the place, and deservedly so. You should definitely check her out. We got a nice long interview, so sit back and relax but before we get there just like every week if you like what we're doing spread the word about us tell some friends if you can give us a rating on itunes great we would really appreciate that's the best thing you can do for us right now also remember to use the the hashtag cq picks so we can call out picks of the week anyways here it is nice long interview stay tuned and i apologize to haiti in advance for this song Collector's Quest. I'm Kat here with Johnny. Hey Kat, how's it going? It's good, but it's not just you and I. Today we have a guest. Yes, I love when we have guests, and this one I'm pretty excited about, and somehow I didn't know about her uh, until I did an internet search for Castlevania, of all things, <laughs> and I found her blog. And we have with us Haiti, who is uh, Stop Whispering, if you follow her on Twitter, and Retro Gaming on Instagram. Hey, how's it going, Haiti? Hi. It's fun to be here. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, I'm doing great. It's nice. We're excited to hear about your amazing collection. <laughs> well, awesome. <laughs> I'll try to tell you everything I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the expert there. Yeah, no, it was uh it was a weird thing. I was I just finished up uh my Super Nintendo collection and now I was looking for some like uh pieces to fill out collection you know and i was like oh you know i need more castlevania stuff so i was searching for castlevania and i found your blog and i was like what who is this i'm like oh they're on twitter okay let me see if they're on instagram i'm like you're on instagram how do i've never seen like not seen pictures of your collection reposted you have a lot of followers and then i found out you know you were on uh cat's husband's podcast and i was like i just i don't know how how I missed you. I must have been like willful ignorance on my part. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm not very good at promoting myself. I'm just kind of there and some people find me, some people don't. Um, I, I have so many projects and stuff going on that I have little time to just sit around and like chat with people and, and respond and everything. I try to respond as much as I can, but it's, uh, it's getting a little bit out of hand. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you do have, like you said, a lot of projects and a lot of followers, so that can be tough. I know Kat gets bombarded sometimes, and she can't respond to everybody either. And I, I get it a little bit, but not nearly as much as you guys. Yeah, it's hard. You try and, you try and respond to everybody and talk to everybody, but it's, sometimes things get missed, or I find Instagram notifications, sometimes I miss things, or I'm doing something else on my phone, but I, I try and keep up with it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's like if I don't check my phone every like one or two hours, uh, it's going to be more than a hundred notifications. And then you just miss everything that was above that. 
Oh yeah, on Instagram for sure. You're just like on oh, Instagram, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, bye. Those those were all missed. <laughs> it's really annoying because I usually go in and check every single person that followed me, and I follow them back if they post anything like just retro gaming related, um, just out of courtesy and out of like interest because that's what I want my feed to be. I want it to be just pure retro games. If some person has like 50% retro games and the rest 50% is like their food or their babies, uh, you know, then I don't follow back because I don't want my, my feed to be spammed with other people's kids that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, no, um, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. That's fair. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. But I am like really annoyed when it gets over 100 and I, I don't know who followed me that I might have missed, you know. It's really annoying. Yeah, I don't know why that's in the Instagram. Of all the things they've... uh you know, air quotes fixed. That should have been uh, one of them. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm curious how you started collecting because obviously you've been at it for a while because your collection is awesome and well organized and huge. So how, like, it's how massive. Did that, how, yeah. <laughs> how did how did you get there? Um, I um I've always loved video games since I was a little kid. Uh, the first time I came in contact with it was with an old Game & Watch, the Donkey Kong, the orange dual-screen one. And I played that thing until my mom accidentally made me lose it. I think she just hid it from me or something. It, it was my brother's. Uh, he's 13 years older than me. And um, after that, I never got any games. Like, my parents never actually bought me any games even though I asked for it. I played Nintendo with my friends at their fr- at my friend's place. I played Sega Mega Drive and all these other consoles. And every time I came home, I was like, Mom, I want a Sega. Dad, I want a Game Boy. Mom, I want a Nintendo. And I never got any games because they were like, you should be outside and play. Go play in the woods with some pine cones or whatever, sticks and <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I like sitting down in front of a TV and like controlling characters because I was good at it. I was really good at platforming games and puzzle games and... um my friends even used to, like, I had this one cousin, she used to call me over when she was stuck in, in bosses on Super Mario Bros. 2, and I had to help her out, figure out the patterns and stuff like that. Um, but it wasn't until I was, like, 18 or something, <clears throat> 18 or 19, when my uh, I fooled my dad into buying me a PS2. You fooled him? How did, uh, how did you yeah. fool him? He was always okay with buying VHS players or, uh, you know, any kind of technology thing that I could could be of use for, to me when it came like Christmas and birthdays. So this one Christmas, I told him, I want a DVD player. I want a very particular DVD player. It's called a PS2. <clears throat> and I need that one to play my DVDs. And he bought it. He didn't know that That's it was clever. a game station. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think he regretted that ever, ever since then because... Uh, after that, I just started spending every single penny I had on games for my PlayStation 2. Um, and then I bought, I traded myself an Xbox and I started buying games for that one. And then I found online auction sites where you could actually get like NES and Sega and everything. <clears throat> and it was dirt cheap back then. That was like, well, I'm 32 now. That was 12 years ago, probably. Okay, so like 2005 um, yeah. or so, 2004. Yeah. So everything was really cheap around here. Then people were just giving it away, basically. You could buy uh, NES cartridges for less than a dollar, basically. Um, and then I just started hoarding. I started working. I lived at home, and I spent every single penny I had on games. My parents thought I was crazy. I tried to hide it, you know, kind of 
<laughs> when I collected a big box, I just kind of snuck in the back door and, and just started spreading it out over my room so it wouldn't look as, as much. <laughs> uh, but then, um, yeah, I've just really never stopped. I've just kept buying games. And for me, it's like reliving those those games that I never got as a kid. I just want to try everything. I want to be able to play everything. So it's just curiosity, I think, that just keeps me buying games. Um, I don't really care for mint condition and keeping it in a plastic box. And I, I want to play my games, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I've just expanded. <laughs> Nice. Uh, especially so, the last five years, you know, it's been really, I've been buying a lot of games. I think last time I was on a podcast with uh, the NARC podcast, I had like 4,600 or 800 games. I'm up to 5,600 right now. Oh, nice. So it's escalating quite fast. So do you, you don't just collect in box, you'll collect card only then or, or whatever, it, you know? No, it depends on what system. Uh, I also, I'm very OCD. I need stuff to be tidy and effective and, and clever so that I can find things. I never buy SNES cards loose because they don't have end labels. I always want my Super Famicom and my Super Nintendo games to be boxed. It doesn't have to be like a super mint in box, but it has to be boxed so that the box sticks together and can sit in a shelf, basically. Um, when it comes to NES cartridges, though, I buy them loose. I have a few boxed ones, and that actually kind of bugs me because they don't really fit with the other ones in the shelf. Right, those ones, kind of, those stick out, right? They. Yeah, I kind of forget that I have those because when I'm looking through like alphabetical order, you know, and I'm like, I'm looking for this game, and I can look for like 15 minutes until I realize, oh wait, that was a boxed one. So yeah. it's placed somewhere else in my room <laughs> for aesthetics, basically. So do you um, have a favorite to collect for? Oh. <clears throat> that kind of varies from time to time. It began with the PlayStation Xbox, and then it, it started with the NES. And then I moved on to Sega Mega Drive, because those are the two that I played the most as a kid um, with my friends. Uh, but then I moved on to Sega Master System and Super Nintendo. Uh, and then a couple of years back, I found Famicom, the Japanese one. And I got obsessed with that one. I have over 950 unique cartridges for it. There was only 1,054 released for it. Wow. So that one I, I kept buying like for months and months. I just bought Famicom games. Um, and then I moved on to PC Engine because I found that one. And then that was my big project for a while. And then I found Super Famicom. And I just started buying that one for like half a year. And uh, then I found the Neo Geo. And then I just started buying Neo Geo games. Uh, and then I kind of went back to Famic Super Famicom, I think. I don't know really where I'm at right now. I had a period with the ZX Spectrum as well and the Commodore 64. I've been buying a lot of old computer stuff. Recently, I've just been buying Tetris games, though. Yeah, any particular <laughs> reason? Do you just love Tetris? or? Uh, I've always loved Tetris, but I had an epiphany, or what you call it, in... Uh, in May, beginning of May, I was in uh, Italy for a holiday, and I brought my Game Boy Advance SP, and I just realized when I was playing some games on it that I wish I had Tetris on this one. I don't. I only have one Tetris game for Nintendo Portables, which was the first one on on the Game Boy, and I, I thought to myself, there must have been more Tetris games that were released for 
for these for this uh, for the Nintendo handhelds. Because the thing with me is I never check lists and stuff or or follow lists to have like a complete collection of anything. I just buy whatever I bump into. I think it's more more fun that way. So basically, what I did when I got this idea, I just eBayed Game Boy and uh, Tetris, and what I found was there's shitloads yeah, of, of Tetris, Tetris games, games yeah, on the Tetris. portable. So I just started buying all of them. And then I started realizing maybe there's other systems I'm missing Tetris games on. So I just started looking up Tetris for every system that I have. And now I'm up to over like 70, almost 80 unique Tetris games for various systems. And it's a blast. I had a big party where everybody got to try every single Tetris game. That's really <laughs> funny. Tetris that's awesome. Even yeah. Tetris for CDI. I bought a CDI merely to play a Tetris game. Oh, yeah, the CDI is horrible. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What so was I, that Tetris game? <laughs> I, I bought one to play the Zeldas, and uh, I, I'm not going to say I regret it, but it's a, it was a challenging experience. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I'm not that into Zelda, so <laughs> I, I almost bought a CDI that contained those two uh, games as well, but... I'm kind of happy I didn't. They aren't worth playing. They're, I mean, they're yeah. not even entertaining in a, oh, this is so bad, this is fun. It, it's just, yeah. like, frustrating and horrible uh, the whole time. So, <laughs> you, yeah, you didn't miss anything there. <clears throat> so, you're, you, how many, you set up to, like, 70 Tetris games now? Yeah, like, over 70. And Closer to 80, I think. And is there an end in sight to the Tetris games? Do you just need like a few more or? I don't know. I, I think I've found like most of the common and some of the uncommon ones now. Um, <clears throat> there's only one that I'm actually looking for. No two that I'm looking for that I don't have that I've seen that I want. And one is, uh, Tetris Grandmaster for arcade. Okay. The Grandmasters. Uh, and then there's a Japanese. Uh, plug-and-play console called Minano Tetris. And that one looks so cute. It's like baby blue and baby pink, two controllers that you just plug in and you can play different versions versus another player. Oh, wait, there's another one. There's also um, <clears throat> um, the one for Game Boy Advance uh, that was only released in Japan. That's also one that I'm looking for. It's also called Minna something. Yeah, I, I never heard of that. <laughs> no, I just saw a picture of it, and I'm like, wait, what's that? That's Tetris. Oh, my God. And then I started, like, digging into it, and I found the name, and I just started looking everywhere. But I can only find loose cartridges of it, and somehow I want my Tetris collection to be with boxes. Oh, I understand that. And um, what is your favorite Tetris now? <laughs> now that you've gone through all these Tetris games, which one have you? do you find you like the best? Oh, that is so hard because there's yeah, so many that are good in different ways. Um, but so many people have asked me that question. I've just ignored it. You <laughs> just ignored it? Okay. <laughs> but and now Johnny put you on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like um, <clears throat> the Tetris DX um, okay. or Game Boy Color. Yep. Um, I like uh, V Tetris on Virtual Boy because it's got an awesome soundtrack. Um, I like, oh, I really like the Tengen Tetris on NES because it has this co-op mode that is hysterical. It has a co-op mode? 
It has a co-op mode. You play simultaneously on one screen. You control each and a different uh, block. And it's hilarious because I played this with a friend of mine who's really good at Tetris. She's like the only person I know that beats me at Tetris. And uh, we started off playing really well together. Like we're both good at Tetris and we just knew what to do. And after a while, we started, we're both kind of competitive, especially her. And we both started realizing that even though it's co-op and we work together on the same board, whoever actually puts down the piece that makes a line gets the points because we have separated points. And then we just started fighting and we started like trying to get underneath the other person to get the line. And we just like fucked everything up and destroyed it for, <laughs> for both of us because we started competing. But it's really fun. It's a really fun game. I had no idea that that one had a co-op mode. You and have that, to check it out. It's it's hilarious. It's so it's so well made as well. That's really a, I feel like that's a good one for like my next party when we're having a few drinks. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I think it would be even more funny. Definitely. Yeah. There's also a co-op mode in the Wii Tetris Party Deluxe game. I think that one also has a, a, a co-op mode. Those are the only two I know that have a co-op mode. That's really strange. I started on uh, the Tengen Tetris. That was the first one I ever played. And, uh, you never what... played co-op? No, and uh, like a friend brought it to me to play, too, and we never played co-op. You just need one cart, two controllers. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it's our problem is. It's just cooperative. I don't know how we <laughs> missed it. Uh, you know, I was pretty young, so who knows? Yeah. It was, that's back when that, that came out, and it was like, it was a big deal, because like, it was like, oh, look, it's like <clears> in a black cart, and... This gold box. Where did this come from? Like it was, uh, yeah, it was a mystery to us. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to try it now, Johnny. <laughs> I, yep. I am. I actually, I have the Retron plugged in. I was doing some retro gaming over the long weekend, so it will be easy to go do. Have you ever played Tetris on the Famicom? I have not. Is it different? There is various versions, but the one that is released by BPS, I just call it BPS Tetris. That one is also really, really fun. I always, when people say that they are good at Tetris and they like Tetris, I always force them to play that one because they completely messed up the controls. And I think it's a nice challenge because I'm so used to playing Tetris. So for me, when something is different, I like it. How did they change the controls? If you press A or B or like the one and two buttons, um, you're just going to drop the piece. Both of them just drops the piece instantaneously and you cannot move it or change it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and those are the ones you usually turn with. If you want to turn, yeah, you have say, to that... press up oh, that... on the D-pad. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> and there's no way... No, you have to press down, I think. It's either or, but you... there's no way of making the piece go a little bit faster if you just want it to go down a little bit faster to push it in somewhere. So a lot of people just fuck up when they when they play that game, and it's so much fun to watch. Eventually, you get into it, though, if you're mildly good at it. Um, and it has a really awesome soundtrack as well called Techno Tetris. Hmm. Yeah, I did not know about that either. You, Cat, you have you heard of this? No. Are you are you good at Tetris, Cat? I uh, I gotta be honest. I hate Tetris. You hate Tetris. <laughs> I hate Tetris. I find it frustrating I, I it's not that i'm not good at it i don't know i'm really but anything kind of puzzly like i know johnny and i've talked about this before i can't stand for some reason i have no idea why there's no logical reason i just it, it makes me cringe a little bit and it's not like i can't sit there and play it i just 
I think that there are other things I go to. Like we had a Tetris arcade cabinet and I was like, I, I don't think I ever actually played a game on it. And I love arcade cabinets. Like if it comes down to that and I had to choose, um, I just like it for nostalgic reasons and things like that. But I, I don't know. I can't, I can't get into it. And, and John really likes it. And I don't know. For me, it's like meditation. I can just sit down and my brain is not even like, I'm not even thinking about anything. I'm just playing Tetris and relaxing. Even when it goes super fast, my mind is just like in the game and it's just relaxing for me. It feeds my OCD, I think. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's a good reason <laughs> to like Tetris then. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I have some games where I kind of get those, um, those moments as well that I use, but, um, not what Tetris. kind of games are that then? Uh, you know, I will go to a, like a Lego beat em up game. And uh, I don't think at all. I just like the process of of smashing everything and collecting studs. Like just kind yeah, of that is really satisfactory. Yeah, that is like it's yeah. a it's a feel good moment. You're just like okay, and I've got all those studs. And then the nice thing, if you miss them, then they just disappear. So it's not even like they linger. I like that they just mm. go away and all the all the stuff you break. It's just like cleaning a room. It's like oh, it's done. That's, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it feels good. So when I play <laughs> do, a Lego do you game, play Minecraft as well? I don't play Minecraft, but I built... Have you ever tried it? I have not, and uh, okay. that's weird because I love Legos. So I built, like, that's the other thing I do. Um, I just build Legos. Like, when I really need to uh, mentally remove myself from a day, I'll just build Legos all day. I build perler beads. Oh, do you? <laughs> do you... That's kind of the same. Yeah. Do you, do you like perling? Do you... Yeah, I do. It's a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes I... Well, I, I kind of... Toned it down a little bit. I had a period where I did it a lot. And then I went on to these mini pearls. You know, they're super, super tiny. Uh, and I, um, I spent like two weeks every evening. I sat and I made a whole, uh, big square and I filled it up with like, um, a screenshot from Fantasy Zone. And it was beautiful. And when I went down to iron it, I fucked it up. And after those two weeks spent making it, I just got really pissed that I, it got destroyed. And, uh, and I just, I toned it down after that. So now I just do it like once every two months. I can sit down and maybe perler a little bit. Or if I have a project where I make like a perler bead for something, like I made a, a Game Boy with Tetris on it for my Tetris competition. So somebody would win it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've never tried uh, purling. I, I see a lot of people do it, and I'm like, ah, you know, it looks like something my dogs are going to eat is what it oh, looks no. like to me. Uh, and they, they'll they eat Legos, too, if they can, if they can get them. But uh, purlers seem, it seems harder to clean up, and I'm already a little too OCD. It's just like, if I mess that up or spill that, it's going to be... Don't spill it, then. <laughs> well, that, that's the, uh, you know, here's the thing. When I've managed you... to avoid it. When you're a little OCD and also really clumsy, it's like the worst combination ever. Okay, so, that's true. Yeah, I, I have I've dumped full boxes of like sorted Legos and like holding like three of them and you know just trip over my own feet and watch them all get mixed and scattered to the floor. So <laughs> yeah, I, I see pearlers and I just like I think it's better to avoid. Just I, I know <laughs> yeah. myself enough to be like this is going to be a mistake. I feel like you'd spend a lot of time organizing it, knowing your personality type, like organizing it in order to actually sit down and do it. That uh, That is me to a T. Like, I'm going to organize this for three hours and then maybe put 20 minutes worth of work into it. 
That, that I do. I do that too. Yeah, I, I can spend hours just sorting chests in Minecraft. It's so satisfactory. Like, I just want everything to be neat and tidy. And my favorite thing to do in Minecraft is just to dig, dig perfect tunnels, <laughs> where I exchange all the materials that show up in the wall underground. Like, if there's one piece of dirt among all the stone, I'm gonna have to replace it. Oh my goodness. And I can't just replace it with cobblestone. I'm going to have to go up and burn that cobblestone so it turns into regular stone so I can put it back so it looks the same like before I I mined it. So yeah, that's OCD. <laughs> no, I I you're you're speaking to to my secret heart. I understand. <laughs> I understand yeah. that that need completely. I'm surprised you still haven't tried Minecraft, Johnny, because I feel like it would be like a perfect exercise of being able to be as OCD as you wanted in whatever way you wanted to do it. <laughs> I just feel like it, there there's some things I just avoid, even if I think I'll like them, because I understand the minute I do that. time consuming. Right, exactly. I'm like, well, <clears throat> I have too many things I enjoy doing. If I do this, what what gets uh, what do I have to shave off the list that I enjoy doing? Right. And, uh, you know, and then especially when something is new, then that the OCD is super hard. You know, it's just like, you know, totally all consuming, must complete, have to do all the time, losing sleep. And uh, (laughs) I just um, I've looked at Minecraft and uh, my friend has like a beautiful I've like looked into it, you know, and seen some Minecraft worlds and his is awesome. And I've checked out some awesome Minecraft builds. And I just said, nope, I should not do this. This is something that will be a mistake. Like, I think yesterday I played the new Lego Star Wars for like 14 hours. Oh, my God. I've definitely done that. I've got lost in Minecraft building things and been like, oh, I wasted my entire day. Yeah. 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 No, it was a legit 14 hours. It was awful and wonderful at the same time. Last Friday, I had a friend that um, gave me an advice on a game and... Because he thought I would like it, and it's an online game. Like you just play it straight in your web browser, but you can also download it on Steam or whatever. Uh, it's called Manyland, and it's kind of a mix between Minecraft, Terraria, and like a World of Warcraft type of game where you can actually chat to people in a massive world, and you can big build pixel graphics. But you can actually build the pixel graphics, like draw them yourself, which is amazing. And I I just tried it out a little bit on Saturday. And I ended up sitting up till four o'clock in the morning. No, that was Friday night, four o'clock in the morning. And on Saturday night, I was up till five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I just couldn't, I just couldn't let it go. And I still have this craving right now that probably as soon as we hang up, I'm probably going to sit down in my couch and just play Manyland. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I, um, I, I woke up about an hour before the show and then, um, I went downstairs and, played star wars for like 45 minutes i'm just on the quest to 100 percent that game however so it, it's a monday and it's nine o'clock what do you do for a living um oh it, it's it's a holiday here it's a oh. our, it's our independence day but all oh, right uh, yeah right. i actually saw that movie yesterday oh the did second. you mm-hmm. a- and just what i expected <laughs> like another action movie it's like oh yeah i don't really like those kind of action movies the two they're too predictable and, uh, yeah, they're all the same, basically. My boyfriend, my fiance, he really liked it, though. Okay. Because he liked the first one. And he liked the special effects. I, I really enjoyed the first one when I saw it, but I think I was 18 when the first one came out. And, yeah, and back uh, then it was cool. 
right and with yeah. special effects that were amazing but today it's like everything else you see everything is grand yeah i i have not seen it i actually um my cousin and one of my best friends and i saw all together when we were 18 and uh, i want us all to go see it together again uh, because i can't it, wait for the tetris movie to come out though the, that is there's a tetris movie you didn't know about that? Uh, no, I, I didn't know about that either. They're gonna make a th- they're gonna make a trilogy. It's an American guy uh, and and the guy from China, and they're making this together. And they got the license from Tetris, and they're it's gonna be uh, recorded in China, I think, with Chinese actors. And it's gonna be a sci-fi thriller, and they're gonna make it a trilogy. I, w- <laughs> I know. I know what to say. I know the, the, the game doesn't even have a story, but it's something about creating order out of chaos. They're, they're spinning on that and going to make some kind of sci-fi thriller trilogy. You know, it sounds, Can't. it sounds. It's going to be special effects by the guy who made Spider-Man, I think. He's in on it as well. Wow. Kind of sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. It, that sounds terrible to me. I will probably watch it. Uh, yeah. But I guess it, as long as you embrace the terribleness. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's like the Super Mario Bros. movie that they made back in the 90s. Oh, that was awful. It's terrible, but it's still good in a way because it's so terrible. Yeah. I, I actually can't get to to it coming back to good for me. I'm just like, I can't I can't watch the Mario movie. It's too bad. It's uh, But I can watch the He-Man movie and uh, enjoy that, even though it's terrible. Oh, God. You just reminded me. I have to watch that. Have I still seen haven't it? seen that one. Oh, it's awful. Well, especially if you know anything about the cartoon at all. Uh, uh, I love the cartoon. I watched it all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. It was one of my favorites. So, yeah, that movie is terrible, but I still somehow enjoy it. Yeah. Kat, you, you, you watch He-Man much? No. <laughs> no, I didn't expect you were watching any He-Man. No, I have never watched it. No, you're also a little young for He-Man. Yes, yeah, no, I don't even remember the cartoon being on TV when I was younger. When you were younger, How old it would have been the new adventures of He-Man. 28. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm 37, so there's a pretty big age gap there. I even had He-Man, those old cartoons, on VHS, and I would watch them over and over and over. The same episodes. I know them by heart. Oh yeah, what 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 is your favorite He-Man episode? Do you have a favorite? The one where they're going to that um oh god, what was her name? There's this queen with red hair and um and a white dress and she turns evil, but they used to buy this kind of metal from her, so they always went there and then one day they noticed that something is wrong with her and then Skeletor have taken over her kingdom and they have to save her. And she looks so creepy when she's evil. I wonder who that is. I don't. Like, I'm not familiar with that episode. I know I've probably I've seen every episode, so I've seen it. So I wonder. What she 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 binds He-Man in like she's like does magic and stuff, and she throws like chains on him. Uh, and then there's like a duplicate of her in the end, where he has to figure out which one is the real uh, woman. And then they both do this thing where they trap him in her special metal, but only one of them is the right one, and he can't get out of that one because it's too strong, even for He-Man. Interesting. So, yeah. He-Man had a lot of uh, 
Well, with, suddenly we're the He-Man podcast, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it had a lot of interesting sci-fi writers who went on to other stuff and became like well-known writers, like Michael J. Uh, Michael J. Straczynski, who was a, a big writer on some shows and stuff, and wrote some books. But yeah, it, He-Man had like a dearth of of uh, quality people associated to like a really strange cartoon, and it introduced continuity, which wasn't like really a big thing in con and cartoons back then so that's why i loved it you're just like oh it keeps going like there's more to this world yeah i love t-man i think it's weird how they never made any video games out of that or did they they there know. was one on the atari i think and there really? is one on the gba yeah are you serious yeah there's a he-man for the gba and atari i thought there was one for atari don't like the don't... 2600 or no uh my atari knowledge is pretty loose but yeah i think the 2600 but again, I could be making that up right now. I, that's what I am uh, eBaying it right now. Yeah, you let let us know. <laughs> we'll, we'll go live. This is not the first time we've gone live to eBay. Atari Twenty Six Hundred Masters of the Universe: The Power of He-Man Loose Game Manual Comic. <gasps> I have to get that. Yeah, there. I did know something about Atari. There we go. Wow, I have a lot of Atari games actually. I don't have. Uh, I, I made kind of the cutoff at Nintendo. I said Nintendo and forward. Is where I'm going, and uh, decided to cut Atari out of that. No, also, that's fair. I, I don't. I know I, we have a few in the game room, and I, like some in television and things like that, but I wouldn't know what they are. <laughs> Atari is hard, and um, Haiti, you said you don't like do list or anything. I do list, and uh. when you like get to Atari, those lists are very hard to manage and and to create. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. When I looked into it, I was just like, nope, that seems like a black hole, so I won't go there. And that's, uh, that was my decision on Atari. I, I have, well, like, four Atari Well, for me, Atari I just games. buy whatever. <laughs> and I love the Atari games. They're so cute. And there's a lot of really good ones on there as well, like Cosmic Arc and, um, yeah, a bunch of different ones. But what what's really annoying for me when it comes to eBay, though, is that many of the things that I'm looking for were, were only released in the U.S., so I have to import it. And fine, I don't mind paying eighteen dollars for a He-Man cartridge for Atari, but when the chip when the shipping is twenty six dollars and forty five cents, then it it gets kind of ridiculous. Yeah, shipping That's is crazy right now. It's uh, ship, so let me ask you, what is it? Um, and I know Kat and I are both curious. Uh, I know she's she's got to deal with some lame stuff because she's in Canada and can't get stuff from the U.S. So it's kind of affected her collecting. But how has that started to shape? You're collecting now as like tariffs and ever import fees go up and shipping is getting out of hand. Well, it is it is annoying, but I've always had kind of expensive shipping from abroad, like especially when it comes to eBay. Some of them just try to rip you off on the shipping. It's like it's just one dollar, but then the shipping is five hundred and thirty-seven dollars. <laughs> it's like what? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when like shipping's the more than the item. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, but apart from that, the first, I mean, the first eight years or nine years that I was collecting, I bought a lot of stuff from, from eBay. I bought an Atari with 62 games for it that some lady found in her attic. Uh, I, I bought a boxed, uh, virtual boy with a couple of games. Uh, it was only like, I don't know, $60 back then. Um, and, all of these things, I never got any taxes on it when it arrived here in the customs. 
Um, but lately, it's like like the Swedish uh, customs have flagged me because I've been buying so much stuff from Japan and from the States that they're probably thinking that I'm running some kind of business or something. So um, <clears throat> almost every single package I get that is over $10 worth, I get ridiculous amount of, of taxes that I have to pay as well. And it's really, really annoying. Because it's not like I can find a Famic that Famicom game here in Sweden. Like the only way for me to buy it is to buy it from overseas. Um, and I don't really think it's fair that they add all those taxes on it when it's something you can't actually buy here. I understand it if I would to buy my uh, MacBook from from the states because it's cheaper for me with the currency exchange or something. Uh, then I understand that they would want to add the tax because it's something I might as well have bought here in Sweden. Right. But when it comes to those vintage old things that are just one of a kind or just rare or not even, you know, you can't even get it here, I think it's ridiculous that they're right. supposed to add taxes on it. Yeah, you're not taking anything from the Swedish economy by buying, no. uh, you know, a 25-year-old Nintendo game. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really harsh. I'm probably and giving more to the economy because I'm bringing it here. Probably. I would ever sell it to a store that would start selling it here, you know, then the taxes would go to Sweden instead of being stuck in Japan. So do you find it is cheaper to ship things in from the U.S. or from Japan? Uh, Japan, for sure. Yeah. They are more honest and they don't put up, like, ridiculous amounts. I mean, I've checked. I know what the cost to send different packages from from the States. But the prices have gone up. It has. But also, it's not as expensive as they say on eBay. Usually, they add a couple of dollars just to make a bit of profit on the on the uh, postage as well. Yeah. Well, I also find that um, as someone who gets a lot of packages, that people don't know what they're doing when they're shipping, so they don't know all of the available options to ship. Yeah. And so yeah. they do whatever's easy, and usually, like with most things, easy is more expensive. Yeah. So they'll just like put it in a flat rate box. Like in California, a guy wanted to charge me like $14 shipping in a, a medium rate, uh, medium flat rate box when it was like one pound. But he could have just shipped it normally and it would have been like $7. But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't malicious. It was just ignorance, which is, yeah. you know, just as bad, but still. Well, sometimes if it's something I really, really want, I will I will send a message to the seller and ask them if there's any other shipping options or any way to reduce the shipping cost. And some people are nice and they will look around and they will, you know, find something. Um, other than that, sometimes they won't. So, I mean, you can always ask. Yeah, no, I, I, I ask a lot. And then, you know, just because I'm usually asking people to ship things in a box and not a padded envelope. And, you know, yeah. results are like 50-50 on that. Yeah. You know, some, some people, people are just lazy. Yes. Yeah, so, well, some people care about the rating and some people are just, they just want a few dollars and they don't care. Sounds like we have a buzzsaw in the background. Kat, is that you? Yeah, that's why I'm trying to be quiet so you don't have to edit me out. You can just edit out my channel. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I can't actually edit your channel because you, oh. you are tied to Hades' channel. Okay, here I am trying to be quiet, thinking that you can edit that out. No, I, I have all the windows closed and everything, but they're doing frigging construction again. It's always worse in the daytime. Yeah, no worries. Uh, we will. <laughs> I, I know a way to kind of minimize that. It's not actually too bad. 
Here I, I am like, being quiet. I'm like, I will not talk, and then it'll be less editing. Nope. <laughs> Feel free to be interjecting, Kat. I think it actually sounds less when you are talking, because when you're not talking, the microphone picks up the background noise and, and makes it louder. When you yeah. are talking, it focuses on your voice instead. And that That's a good thing point. is. Yeah. yeah. So just keep co- talking constantly. Just don't shut up. Just constantly. That's okay. We can do that. All right, go. <laughs> no, we're, Haiti and I are both waiting for you, Kat. Go ahead. In terms of shipping, um, I'm okay with shipping if I really want something. Like, I can justify the shipping costs. John hates to pay shipping on everything. Like, he hates it. <laughs> like, if we have to pay shipping, it's it's really, I don't know. I think even if he really wanted it, I don't know that he could justify the shipping costs. So I feel like if I really wanted something, I would just order it. And be like, oh, I had to pay shipping on this, as opposed to be like, I think I would, or I think I'm going to order this. He'd be like, what's the shipping cost? Yeah, I won't, you know, normally I won't ship anything international. Like I won't, uh, I mean, buy anything international because of, uh, just like the ridiculous fees. Even though eBay has added like a, a feature where, you can now ship internationally from the U.S., and it's cheaper, but um, I have not tried that out yet. Well, I find shipping, it's usually cheaper for me to ship something to the States than somebody in the States to ship something to me. That's what I found, anyway. Yeah, with well, the box I shipped you, it was, you know, like, uh, not twice as expensive, but maybe a third as expensive as what you shipped me, and they were roughly the same size box. It was the exact same size box. I reused your box. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, but yeah, point in case, and I think that's harder because it's sometimes it's hard to justify the extra cost, and I don't know. It's it's and with eBay and the import fees and stuff like that, it turns like I just would rather buy a lot of games instead of you know pay double the price for something. Basically, by the time I've shipped it here and paid the import. Yeah, I I don't I don't envy either of your positions as far as having to ships and. Uh, custom tax and all that we don't have to we don't have to deal with that and i'm I'm very happy i don't i definitely wouldn't be collecting as hard uh if i had to deal with that then you know then again it's much it's much cheaper for me to buy stuff from germany or from france and in the uk basically since we're all in the european union right well sorry sorry great britain yeah yeah I don't think they will limit the amount of export and import, though. I don't think they will make it harder. That would really just be stupid for them. That depends on if the EU, if if the European Union wants to uh, punish them for leaving or something. Then maybe. I imagine it could get a little weird for the first like year or two, as the, as everybody tries to sort everything out and get back to like a normal sense of what's going on there. So you you have you said like fifty six hundred games now about right yeah a bit above that a bit above that so what uh and what led to all the other side projects because you said you love to game and stuff is it was it just a need to uh kind of express that love to other people or you know just to talk yeah. about it? how did how did you how did you get to like the blog and all of your other projects I um I was very reclusive like I, I was just here in my place with all my games I was very passionate about them and I didn't have a single friend that was as passionate about games as I was I tried to like persuade my closest girlfriends to become gamers like me by showing them a bunch of games and some of them really enjoyed it and one of them my best friend she's like super into games today like she's become a hardcore gamer um 
thanks to me. <laughs> and um, I think I, I started my blog just to like share my interests online, just to be able to, you know, get everything out because my friends were getting sick of me like talking about all the stuff I bought and like, look at this, this is from this. And, you know, telling all the stories about Atari and stuff. And they were like, mm-hmm. it's not that interesting, Haiti. We know you're into this, but <laughs> can we talk about something else? So I think um, I started my blog mainly to just have an outlet where I can just speak about my stuff, talk about my collection, and show all the things that I find. And also I want to kind of preserve them, you know. I feel like a lot of the things I buy is sometimes not very common, you know. People might not have known about this game, and it's a really good game, and then I just want to enlighten people. So I just want to share it, you know, to make sure that everybody finds out about these hidden treasures and everything and show them what else I'm finding and stuff. And um, I started a blog like four years ago or something now, I think. Yeah, like uh, 2012? Yeah, probably. Um, and I made a lot of friends through that. Uh, friends in Canada, friends in the U.S., friends all over the world that started reading my blog and and we started like trading games and, you know, I have a lot of friends thanks to that now. And um, I started going to conventions here in Sweden that were um, just retro gaming, uh, pure retro gaming conventions. I didn't even know those existed until I, until I started finding friends that told me about them because I'm not much for, you know, searching for things online. Okay. I just kind of go for whatever bumps into me or whatever somebody tells me. I don't really have time to sit and just, you know, search for things myself or explore. Um, so basically friends told me about these various conventions. I started attending them. I made lots of friends there. Uh, and then I started an Instagram account and I just, yeah, I just upload pictures of the shit I buy <laughs> Yeah, <it's, laughs> and uh, stuff that I enjoy and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It was a uh, nice when I first got on Instagram and uh, I was just like, okay, here's the stuff I like. And then immediate feedback of like, oh, Hey, we like this stuff too. There was a, a group of people. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's nice. I mean, I was on some forums and stuff, but um, I've never been that much into forums. Uh, they're they're good and they're bad. You know, there's um. I know, but it feels like you really have to linger there and and stay in place for a long time before you know people, you know, know who you are. Um, it, it's true, and uh, that that's one of the negatives about it. And then. Um, you know, yeah, the, I joined the Neo Geo forum just for the trades, and oh my god, what a horrible place! Oh, uh, yeah, that the Neo Geo oh, forum is god. a little bit that they're rough, and that's the oh, other part. Some, uh, you know, I, I'm mainly on Nintendo Age, and most of those guys are all right, but they, you know, they there's moments where even that place is just like, okay, I have to leave this place. And Instagram is, I find, a much uh, more palatable experience for me, yeah, but uh, I yeah. mean. I like Instagram as well, and Twitter. I just check once in a while. You know, it's it's there, it kind of updates itself. <laughs> um, but I've I've made a lot of friends on there as well, uh, and it's fun to have these friends all over the world because usually I travel a lot, and when I do, I usually go to places where I know somebody, and they can take me around to like know the good stores where you can find retro games and stuff. And it's just been a hell of a ride, just like getting to know all these fellow collectors and. And uh, just learning from each other 
about different games and different systems and also having a community that you can go back to like if you if you ever have a problem with something you're sure to find at least 50 people that know how to help you with it and that is that is amazing i'm really thankful for all those people yeah the the community knowledge pool is is probably the best part about uh, all these interactive places you can go yeah as someone who collects sets there's a lot of times i need to vet out knowledge and find out if a game actually exists or what region it was actually in and um you know forums have been instrumental in that and i i'm still pretty you know instagram only for the last year but uh, a lot of good information out of there too especially with some like we collecting when i when i have a question about that there's a lot of good good resources there yeah i mean for me it's mainly about fixing things that are broke or when i don't understand how things work and these last four years, I've learned so much. I mean, I can even open up a C64 now and kind of figure out a few things that could be wrong with it. I had no clue how to do that before. <laughs> nice. So, so you know how to solder now, I assume? I'm not really soldering, but I can identify where issues are and stuff. Well, soldering is easy. If you, uh, you can, I, I if you want can play to Tetris, learn that. you can solder. I just, I just need to find one of those things. Yeah, well, don't no, get me one of those. No cold soldering. Uh, that that's a, a myth and a lie. And uh, yeah, you know, if you can touch an area and uh, touch a the piece of solder, you can you can solder. It's a yeah. point point and click adventure. <laughs> there you go. That's a, yeah. I've never heard it referred to like that. Yeah, that's yeah. a first. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty much what soldering is. Yeah. So this now out of this blog and now all your followers and stuff, and you also have um, other side projects and. That's uh, yeah. Geeky Gals, and what is that? Um, Geeky Gals is a, a thing that me and my my best friend, we were sitting in a restaurant, and we both had our Instagram accounts, and hers was mainly like Xbox. She she just wrote about Xbox stuff, and, um, and I just wrote about my retro games. And for me, I just want to be polite to people. Like, if I have a retro gaming channel on Instagram, I want people to follow me because I put up retro gaming things. I can't start putting up Xbox things on there because some people might not be interested in that. It's just the same thing with me not wanting to follow people who put up pictures of their food or, or their babies. It's the same thing, you know. I want to follow people who are, who are dedicated to one thing on their channel. If it's too messy with different things, it, it gets annoying. And we were in the same uh, mind of thought there and... uh I, I kind of wanted to be able to, to Instagram my other things, like my all my other geeky things, like board games and, and uh, my new generation consoles. I have the PS4, I have the Xbox One and the Wii U, uh, 3DS, and I just felt I couldn't really um, upload that on my Instagram channel. So um, my friend came up with the idea, Becky. She said that, why don't we make an Instagram account that we can all go into and just upload whatever geeky things that we you know that we enjoy and that we do and i thought it was a great idea so we sat there and we came up with the name geeky gals and um we created the channel and invited two of other two of our other um, girlfriends that um are also very geeky we should usually have like girls gaming nights together a couple of times a year um so we all had this channel and we started uploading geeky things from our everyday life and uh, it escalated to a blog where we started blogging a little to be able to write a little bit longer about stuff when we wanted to review a game or something and um, 
we've been going to conventions together and we uh, cover those things. And eventually people started noticing us. Uh, so here in Sweden, we've been asked to host like retro gaming events uh, down in Malmö. And we've been hosting a quiz at a, a big concert that they had called Joystick. Uh, it's like a symphonic orchestra that had, that was playing, um, um, video game music. Nice. And, uh, we, we held like a little music quiz with retro game music before, before the concert started and stuff like that. So we just like to get involved with the nerd culture and the, the gaming culture of Sweden. And, and we invite, you know, girls to feel that they should be able to do this as well. You know, it's not really. We're not really trying to, yeah, we're just showing that we're, we're just having fun. We like what we're doing and we're just doing it. We don't try to be all political and because there's a lot of, you know, girl blogs where girls are gamers and they're either negative or aggressive or they, they have some kind of standpoint where they're just doing it for the heck of it or try to show that, you know, I can do this too. Or they're very feminist and they're writing about what's sexist in games or what's wrong with this or what's wrong with that. Um, we're not like that. We just want to have fun. <laughs> yeah, you're a non-politicized <laughs> view yeah. of it. Okay. <laughs> we're just trying to stay on the down low and just, you know, we're just having fun. We're just doing this. It doesn't have to be a political statement or anything like that. We just want to have fun and, and show people that we can have fun. And uh, have people been respectful or, you know, for yeah. the most part? yeah. There's only one single person ever that attacked us on Instagram and made a big deal out of the fact that we called us geeky gals. And it's like, well, it's a catchy name. You know, it's that's what it is. We're not calling us gals just to, you know, show that we're girls. We happen to be girls. It's the same thing as somebody else calling themselves boys, you know, for some reason, like in their name. That's it's like... That's kind of an inane thing to to go after you guys about. Yeah, yeah. But he was really, really aggressive about it. But we had lots of people that just stood up for us and and uh, defended it. So we didn't really have to do a lot about it. I, I, I just he... told him, chill. It's just a name, dude. Yeah, relax. Uh, not, <laughs> not caught that up big in a deal. Yeah, yeah. you're doing pretty good if only one person has, uh, has come after you. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, uh, some of the girls were scared that we would get a lot of haters and stuff, but it's mainly been love because we're just spreading love. We're not hating on anything or anyone or any, you know, we can tell that a game is good or that it's bad, but we're not going to go like, oh, this game was all sexist because of the the way they portray women. And, uh, you know, it's like if some of us feel that, we keep it to ourselves. It's not like we have to be like a big political movement well it's not your agenda your agenda is not the yeah. politics your agenda is playing the game which is yeah. awesome yeah i mean you have to share that as well there's too many political things out there now so if someone needs political commentary your channel isn't the place for it no there's <laughs> forums yeah <laughs> plenty of places you can go and uh i want to ask about the your castlevania collection because oh, yeah. uh, how, how did that how did you work because i'm jealous of your castlevania collection Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Castlevania is one of my my favorite series, and I I told you that's how how I found it. I was like, what am I missing from my Castlevania collection? And that's how I found your blog. Well, um, I've always loved Castlevania. 
I tried it once as a kid and it, it was so mysterious and spooky and I loved the music and everything. So I just started getting the, the Castlevania games whenever I bumped into them. Eventually I had quite a lot of them and I really loved the Game Boy Advance ones. I loved the NES ones. And uh, I've just been, I haven't really been searching, but I've, you know, Castlevania is a famous game. You hear about it. Yes. And and people tell you that, oh, did you know there's a Castlevania on PC Engine? And I'm like, ooh, really? And then I had to get it. I even had two copies of it once. <laughs> I sold one of them. I traded it for a Philips video pack. She's 7200 which is quite rare. It has a built-in screen. It's really awesome. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I've just been finding a bunch of Castlevania games, and I ended up having a lot of them. Uh, I recently found another guy um, on Facebook that was selling off some of his games, and I found some bootleg Castlevania games that I've never heard of, so I just made sure to pick those up as well. Is that, and uh, Is that where you got that uh, Castlevania X Dracula Evil Trevor? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of cheap as well. Paid like I don't know twenty five, thirty dollars for it. What I I've been looking <laughs> for this game and I have not been able to find it. Now I'm like, what the hell is this? I want it. You have know. to have it now, right? I do. I, I've been. It's on my eBay save search already. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. I've never heard of it either, and not this little uh, Russian hack as well. Or yeah, the new generation or whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. I love the way they did the box art on that one, though. It's like, yeah. I said they kind of full screened, uh, took out the silver borders of the, the original, original castle. Yeah. yeah. Looks really awesome. Yeah. It's really, really good. But yeah, I just love Castlevania, mainly because of the music. And, uh, I like that it's kind of a hard platformer, but it has to be 2D. As soon as it became 3D, like for the Nintendo 64, I think they suck. Oh, yeah. No, the, those ones are pretty awful. I didn't. I also didn't enjoy the PlayStation slash Xbox ones. Those no. weren't very good. Though I, I did like um the newest one. And On 3DS? That, uh, or well, the, Lords yeah. of Shadows? It's Lords it's Lords Lord of, of Shadow. Shadow. Yeah, yeah, Lords of Shadow, yes. I, I like that one alright. Um it wasn't strictly Castlevania, but it, it tied in some of the mythos, so I enjoyed the story aspects, even though the gameplay wasn't exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I'm getting kind of bored with those single-player adventures that are all 3D and you run around and stuff. I, and they take too long to finish as well. It's like, um, I don't really get into it. Um, so for me, it has to be 2D. Did you play Mirror of Fate? That's... Uh, the 3DS one? The 3 yes, Yes, I did. I tried that for a while as well um, when I was on a trip. And it bugged me as well that it wasn't all 2D. They should have sticked to like what they did with Portrait of Ruin, Dawn of Sorrow, and all the other DS games. Yeah, I thought this one was all right. I thought it was like a it was like a weird 2.5D blend. And, yeah, uh, I was okay. Like I think had they maybe gone with that approach, something you know, it's a little more subtle than the over-the-top 3D that they tried to do uh, when yeah. it came to PS2 and everyone and the 64, something like that. I, I feel like maybe would have eased the transition a little better. But now I feel like the series is just kind of all over the map as far as what they're doing. Did you know that the guy who created uh, original um, Castlevania series is making his own new game now? Bloodstained? That is 2D. Yeah. yeah Bloodstained. Yeah, I'm all over Bloodstained. I'm waiting. Yeah. I've ordered it. Yeah, me too. That's uh, 
pretty excited when that one comes out. What, you Definitely. know, though I am, I'm worried after, uh, the whole thing with Mighty Number no. Nine. Mm. Just that, that left a bad taste in my mouth. That was the original Mega Man creator. Uh, like kind of oh. redid a Mega Man property. Oh, I, yeah. Is that bad? I just, I remember seeing the, uh, I saw like the front of it, Mighty Number no. Nine. I think it's on Xbox, right? It's on yeah, Xbox One. Right. I think I saw it in the store and I'm like, wow, that looks like Mega Man. Yep, and it's a, it's not though, just. But the name reminded me of that kids' show, something with a nine, with a kid. Ben, or I don't know, there was Ben. Yeah, 10. the Ben, Ben Ten, that's yeah. the one. Okay. Yeah. The Ben Ten. So I thought I just looked at the the cover and I was like, oh no, that's gonna be a kids' game. It is not good, and this is where. Is it, it like, a 2D like uh kind of retro feel kind of game? Kind of, yeah. It, it's supposed to, it, to me. This is the point in the show where where Cat would say I'm gonna go into a rant, so I'll I'll try to contain that. Um, no, not you. Yeah, yeah, I'm known for it, but it's like the guy who made Mega Man didn't realize what was good about Mega Man, and didn't realize what was frustrating about it, and then only committed to the frustrating parts. Like he didn't yeah. understand his own series at all. Wow. That that's how it feels because you're just like, well, thanks for bringing all the annoying parts back of this game. <laughs> like uh, this is not and then like there's the voice acting and that that's the other thing like i think Mega Man had the benefit of not having any of the voice acting and some of the advanced effects so you mm. didn't know when they were terrible like we mm. probably would have had terrible voice acting in all of the Mega Man games if it was available we didn't yeah. and that was a blessing because this one it's just like super childish and horrible and then uh, mm. they all the graphics and this is kind of like a like a weird thing. I don't mind when things have Japanese names or yeah. characters look Japanese. I'm totally fine with that. But then it's like super like white looking guy and then super Japanese name. It's like, what what is going on? That guy's got like an afro, but he's got a super Japanese name at the same time. It's like... That's weird. Yeah, it's just like I weird think, choices. I think the the main problem with today's... The, the people that are making games today, especially when they go ba go back like this guy and, and recreate an old famous classic, I think they have a problem knowing who their main audience is. They don't know if they should make it for the today's kids, so they will get hooked on the series, just like we were on Mega Man when we were kids, or if they should kind of aim it towards the adults that are feeling nostalgic about it. So they kind of end up somewhere half in between, and yeah. nobody likes it. Right, and I think you just need to commit one way or the other. Yeah. You either yeah. forsake one group, you know. I mean, Shovel Knight did a great job. Shovel Knight is like a totally epic adventure that totally plays on our nostalgic uh, feelings about 8-bit games. And they did a great job, I think. Yeah, no, but Shovel Knight. But with music, Knight's keeping awesome. it classy and keeping it funny and keeping it hard, but still manageable, you know. Yeah, well, Shovel Knight was aware of what it was, though. Shovel Knight... Well, you know, the creators knew who its audience was and catered to them yeah. a little bit, you know, and, and didn't pull any of any punches there. They didn't try to stick in this like weird half world that yeah. a lot of these other games try to be in. And yeah. Anyways, don't I mean, you try the demo, but don't don't buy it without trying it first, because that might be money <laughs> poorly spent. And I was a Kickstarter yeah. backer and it was like. Everybody on Xbox and everything got it before I got it, and that felt really bad after I, you know, paid into the Kickstarter like four years ago. 
then wow. other people got it first. You're just like, okay, I'm not feeling good about this experience. Did you play it on PlayStation then? Um, I I have it on PlayStation 4, and then I have uh, the physical edition on the Wii. Oh. Because on the Kickstarter, what they did is you initially you chose your console early. And mm-hmm. um, so I chose PS4 because it was going to be compatible, backwards compatible with the PSP or the Vita. So mm-hmm. I, since I have both of those, I figured, okay. And then I'm ordering the cartridge pack, which uh, like comes in a, a Nintendo shell and then has like a Nintendo box that they send you the code in. That's how it was supposed to go, I guess. None of the physical items have been delivered, just the codes. Seriously? Yep. Wow. That's horrible. That's a, a terrible situation to have. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like they said, oh, well, you know, they, they kept, it kept being delayed. It was delayed several times. But I don't understand how that delays the creation of the, the physical items because that has nothing to do with the code or anything else. Like, you should have been building that at the same time and have that ready so whenever you polish the game. Anyways, yeah. we'll, we'll get into rant territory. It's awful. <laughs> terrible avoid. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah, I, I think that's good. I watched John play about 10 minutes of it, and I was like, I don't even need to play this. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried. played for an hour. I really tried to enjoy it, and then I just turned it off. Yeah, it just I, didn't work. Yeah, I have not turned it back on. I was like, okay, goodbye. What kind Never of games be- are you into then, Kat? Um, I tend to like platformers. Um that usually is my go-to. I do like some RPGs, though I find if it's an RPG that it's really a time investment. I, I guess I have a, a a bad attention span for really investing a lot of hours in something. I get to a point and I'm like, okay, I'm so far in, that's enough, I don't need to finish it. So I like to play games that I feel like I can actually commit to and finish as opposed to leaving things half done. Yeah. So it, it depends. Yeah, I just, I don't know. And I'm really not one for reading a whole bunch in a game, so I find that if it's a game that is going to have a lot going on in terms of instructions and reading, I just keep pressing the A button and don't pay attention and then get frustrated from my own doing because I didn't pay attention to what was going on. But I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I just I have to be careful what I pick. I was playing uh, like when Final Fantasy 13 came out, uh, both me and two of my girlfriends uh, who live far away from me, but they also live in Sweden. Uh, we b- all bought it and got it on the rele- release date. And then we sat in a party on Xbox playing it simultaneously, starting at the same time. And both of them are very in- interested. Like one of them is more interested in the story and really reading what they're saying and, you know, looking carefully at everything that's going on. The other one is really into like learning what it's all about. So she goes through every single guide and reads all the manuals and the help things and, and stuff like that. And I just button mash my way through every, every type of <laughs> like whatever they say, if there's a conversation or if there's a guide or whatever, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. skip it, skip it. Yeah. I, I'm just going to go on. <laughs> so after a while, I was like so far ahead in the game compared to those two. I finished it like days before them because I, I had to skip everything. <laughs> I was just button my way, button mashing my way through it. That is pretty funny. But I don't have, uh, yeah, I don't have the patience to read. That's why I play games because I can't read books. I get, I have too short an attention span as well. I just, you know, I start reading the same page over and over again, and I'm like, I don't know what I read. I was thinking about something else, <laughs> and you know, then I just have to reread it. So I just quit books a long time ago. Um, and I love video games, but I don't like RPGs because it's too time consuming and they force you to figure stuff out by yourself. 
as soon as I start a game and you're either in a forest or in a town and you know you're supposed to just go talk to somebody, I'm just like, what do I do? Where do I go? I'm like, fuck it. Then I just turn it off and put it in my in my shelf. Or I have this cabinet with doors, and in there are all my shitty games. <laughs> it's an awesome. RPG, an RPG prison. Yeah, that's where they yeah, all live. No, that's <laughs> what it is. It's an RPG prison. I think there's like 250 or 300 like Japanese RPG Famicom games in there, and some sports games, some sports games, and some uh, like Japanese strategy games. <laughs> That's basically that's, it. Like, I, I need a picture of that. You, you have to post a picture of that for me. I, I want to see your RPG prison <laughs> where Haiti sends off her bad games to go die. I like that idea. I still kind of keep them, though, because I know I have friends that really appreciate RPGs, and they're like, oh, wow, do you have a fire emblem or whatever they're called? And I'm like, yep. Right, check the check the closet. Yeah, like, but that's wait, not something I'm playing. <laughs> They're all color coded, so I can just look through the blue ones if I know it's a blue cartridge. And um, yeah, so I can easily find it for people who wants to play it. But most of the time, they're just sitting in that prison. <laughs> that's re- that's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I can totally <laughs> sympathize with that. <laughs> so yeah. you, the other thing you have, which I find uh, pretty unique, is you have a ton of systems, right? How many systems do you have? Ooh. I'm like, up to like 200 and, 250 maybe. That's a crazy amount of systems. That's insane. <laughs> How many are some unique? Of, yeah, I haven't actually counted the unique ones, but I well, I did once. I think it's like 150 or 70, 170 maybe. I don't know. That's that's insanity. That's like mind blowing to me. I feel like 50 is a lot, let alone that amount. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, like how, that, how many games pretty... and systems do you have? Like, I don't really know what's normal because I just have my <laughs> measure with. Oh god, not that many because oh, I mean we always focus mainly like on NES and then you know some Super Nintendo and all the Game Boys and stuff like that and Master System and and but like nothing you know I I, I don't even know like it wouldn't be anywhere near that when I think about that I'm like I could name them all but yeah. it's 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 not that many. I have two hundred and twenty exactly. I just looked oh. up my uh, my thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have a list. I mean, I have I have about seven thousand games, but I don't have nearly that many systems. I mean, especially well, I mean, I've like a, a lot of duplicate like N sixty four and S consoles for different boxes. Oh yeah, like having all the versions yeah, of the not, NES boxes. Yeah, but not not independent systems. Also, I feel like in America, maybe that many didn't come out. So you mm-hmm. got like all of your Nintendo, all of your Sega stuff. Like yeah, yeah, like your weird one for Sega is like the Pico, um, but there's not like too many weird Nintendo systems that came out in the United States. There's so many people that are just focused on Nintendo. Everybody's so obsessed with Nintendo. I mean, they're good, but there's so many other companies that made awesome games as well. Yeah, but in America, Nintendo was it. Like even Sega. I know which... it's same in Sweden. Everybody here is obsessed with Nintendo. Yeah. Like. Just there's with SCN collectors are called. They're just buying Swedish released Nintendo games. We only got like 210 here, and they want them all boxed and in mint condition. And they had these special types of A4 papers that the Swedish company that imported them and released them here, because you know Sweden got the NES like a year before all the other European countries, because this guy had a connection with Japan and and that company. 
So he's, he got a deal where he could import it and start selling it here. Um, and they did like a translation of the manuals that they just wrote on A4 papers on a typewriter and then copied them and put them in, in, in the boxes so that the Swedish kids would be able to read the, they had the whole thing going around like they made a Club Nintendo way before Club Nintendo was created by, um, um, the Nintendo Corporation. They had it here in Sweden where they had support and everything you could call and get help and they had the hotline and stuff. Um, and they made a really big thing out of it. So a lot of kids here grew up with Nintendo and they're really fond with it. And these papers, like, I don't, I don't get why people collect stuff like that. I understand that it's, if it's sought after, the prices go up, but you can't play a paper. It's just a paper. Yeah. With the uh, manual translated into Swedish, but people can pay ridiculous amounts of money for it. Yeah, that's like there was the same this one guy who here. paid sixty thousand kroners. Let's see, divided by eight, that's like seven thousand five hundred dollars for a piece of paper. Wow, for oh just one of the, these for just typewriter one translations. Yes. Holy God. Then you understand how how insane people are about Nintendo here in Sweden. Yeah, no, there there are collectors <laughs> like that here. Like people will go, like graded mint, you know, manuals, um, like very fine condition. They they go crazy. I don't care about manuals. I like boxes because you display the bo- boxes, and I like the games because you play the games. The manual is just something you can damage when you take the card out. That's my yeah. opinion of it. Um, I sometimes read the manual if I'm stuck in a game, so sometimes it's good to have it, but I'm not going to go like, ooh, I have to keep it in mint condition. You know, I want to be able to use it. See, I would just go to the internet before I... There's so many other... I don't like the internet. Like, I never look up a YouTube video uh, or anything before I buy a game. I prefer the surprise of buying something like you did back in the 90s. You just looked at the cover art, look at the back, you're like, read the name, you're like, this sounds like fun. I'm going to get it. And sometimes it's a disappointment and sometimes it's a very, it's like a really fun surprise. And you're like, this is awesome. So I just like that surprise over the whole thing. But I think that's really neat because that's not something we do now. It's like, oh, we got to go YouTube it and find out, do we want it or not? Or we buy it even though it's crappy because we want it for a set. Exactly. No, I think it's just more exciting that way. I've always done that. I've never looked anything up beforehand. Maybe like once or twice out of my 5,600 games, but that was probably by accident. That's a, that's, that's a very retro way of doing it. I, I admire yeah. that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I agree. Yeah. I even I, use my Nintendo powers sometimes. Like when me and my friend Becky, we played through the, the Star Wars saga on the Super Nintendo. I had, I had the Nintendo powers to go with them with the, all the guides through all of those games. That's it made it a lot easier when you found a cheat on how to get 99 lives on like uh, one of those. <laughs> yeah, you can't use the 99 life cheat. I, I love the Star Wars series on the Super Nintendo. My, yeah. Those are my favorite Star Wars games, actually. Empire Strikes Back. Super Empire Strikes Back is one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. I just, it is awesome. Yeah. But there's like so many other great systems. I mean, Sega made a lot of great games as well. I love Sega and Nintendo equally. And I think I even appreciate the PC engine a little bit more than Sega and Nintendo because I don't know. It's just too mainstream. Everybody's like 
so into Sega and Nintendo because those were the big, big ones. But I mean, PC, like PC Engine, they got, they made their unique titles that were just for that console. There's hardly an, a single port on that system. Other yeah, than that, true. you know, you got Double Dragon on every single system, on every single thing. You know, you got uh, everything from Atari to, to Sega and Nintendo. They got the same games, the arcade games, just ported. Yeah, well, part of that was over N- and over. Nintendo's stranglehold on publishers and what they would allow to be yeah. crossed over. Nintendo, in, in America, Nintendo had a complete stranglehold on the market. I didn't know about the Master System and... But, like, all the great games that were released on on PC Engine, made by Hudson, for example, Hudson Soft, they are completely unique, and you can only get them on the TurboGrafx or the PC Engine. And and that's such a great system. There's so many great games that nobody ever experienced, because we didn't get it over here. Yeah, we did. We barely got any TurboGrafx here. Um, We knew, like, you knew, like, one kid. It was like a rumored kid in your class who might have had one, but you never really yeah. saw it. And same with Sega, like Master System. Only knew about it at the end of the Nintendo life cycle after Genesis had already kind of hit the market. It's yeah. like, oh, they they made like something like a Nintendo? Oh, weird. You just, yeah. uh, growing up during that time in America, you had no idea that these other things happened. Like you kind of, you knew about Sega because they were very aggressive with their marketing. But TurboGrafx, they, they tried. And so you kind of heard about them, but you didn't like really get any other systems. I remember when the Jaguar came out and everyone kind of laughed. Everyone was like, yeah, right. No one's, no one's buying a Jaguar. But aren't you, uh, like interested in exploring them today? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I have 7,000 games, so it can't just all be Nintendo. Uh, No. (laughs) Yeah. I have a complete Sega collection. I have probably 50 TurboGrafx 16 games. I got like 20 Jaguar games. I do buy for other systems. Like right now, I've been uh, focused on sets, and now that I've kind of loosened up on sets, I start to buy things that are just look interesting or things I want to see from other systems. Yeah. So, I, and when I first started collecting, that's how I collected initially. And then I said, okay, I got to rein myself in and uh, create a system because I'm just buying everything, and I won't know what to do with everything. Yeah. I mean, you managed to do it and make it look nice, and I, yeah. I. Don't even understand how you did that. Uh, that is <laughs> well, that's important to me. Like, I want to be able to play everything. So I have a room set up with 22 screens right now that's uh, crazy. where I can have everything connected and I can play everything. Uh, and I don't think I would ever want to go for sets, like full sets of everything released for a single system because there's so many shitty games as well. And you can tell sometimes just by looking at it. Like, I'm not, not going to start buying baseball games just to have... Oh. All the games for a system. Yeah, trust me, it's uh... except for perhaps uh, Famicom because you get them dirt cheap, and I'm so close to almost having all of them. But it's not really a goal of mine. Well, I mean, that's... if I see a game that I don't have, I'll buy it. But I'm not really looking. That's what happens though. You get close, and you're like, oh, well, those ones are pretty cheap. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you've got a set, and then you're like, well, I might as well. And then you're like, you get into another one. And... <laughs> Then it snowballs, and like right now I'm like at the point where I said, no more sets. I just completed Super Nintendo. said, all right, I'm done with Nintendo collecting pretty much, except for like some Wii U stuff. Uh, I've said I'm not going to do any more sets, but we'll see if that holds up. I doubt it. I can't see you abandoning in sets totally. Like I feel like you'll want that structure. Well, I, I'm going to finish Can you Vita. fit everything in a room? Uh, mostly. 
mostly. If you've if you've seen pictures of my office, it's pretty well organized and uh, together. And then I have different, like a couple different sections in the house where there's other sets like complete unto themselves. Yeah, like I have all my new games in my living room. Yeah, that's kind of what I have too. From Xbox 360 and onwards, and I have my DS and PSP games in my work study. Uh, and then I have a second living room room where I just have my. That's what I call my retro room. It's just a 70s, 80s, and 90s in here. Yeah, that's uh, that's my office. All of my my retro games uh, for Nintendo and Sega are in here, and uh, the Turbo Graphics as well, and a few PlayStation games, but not all. Of them. But uh, cool. yeah, I, I mean, I try to keep it together so I can find things and play things and then access them. But you know, when you when you do set, you you gotta kind of got to plan ahead because you have to know how much room you have and space is finite like when yeah. i when i bought this house I, my wife and i were like okay cool i think i'll have enough room for all of my gaming needs forever how yep. wrong you were yeah as now there's like a whole big shelving system in a in the second living room my wife is like oh yeah totally enough room huh it's <laughs> like, okay i'm like so i need a few more hundred square feet <laughs> But yeah. for you, will there ever be enough room? Like, I, I don't know if you're going to hit that point where you're like, I'm done. There's nothing else. You know, I I kind of feel like I could be done soon. I feel like after I finish Vita, which is only like 20 more games now, and uh, Wii U. games are still being released for that. Yeah, but not not at an alarming rate. They're, you know, like one, one yeah. a month or so. Like that was just one release today from a, a small company. That's the interesting. Vita collecting is actually really strange right now because none of the big box stores here in America have them anymore, except for GameStop. And huh. it's all like small companies like Nis America and Limited Run Games and even Square. They sell them directly from their websites. So they've cut out like these big box stores and they're not really producing very much anymore. So it's kind of like this new wave of collecting for the Vita, which I find interesting as publishers create like their own special editions that you would never see on a store shelf. So it, it's, it's been an experience with Vita. Hmm. So that that's interesting about Vita. Wii U is kind of like this weird kind of half alive system that is just slowly, you know, dying out. And, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate because I really like the Wii U actually. Really? I do. A lot of people don't understand it, but I, I enjoy the controller, the, the gamepad, a lot, like with the second screen. I just mm-hmm. wish that I could play all of my 3DS and DS games in there as well, since you have two screens available. I, I find it comfortable, and I, I like the way it looks. I, I like the library that they have, though I wish it had more RPGs. They have so many child-friendly games that just annoy the living hell out of me. Oh, yeah, a lot of a lot of their library. I mean, it's Nintendo. They are always trying to be kid-friendly now like it's not where you go for my my favorite games anymore uh unfortunately now most of my favorite games aren't on a nintendo system which makes me sad <laughs> so you're a nintendo fanboy then uh yeah a little i wouldn't say that exactly because i i am a i do love nintendo but i'm not opposed to other I, i'm not gonna fight with anyone if they say they like sega better because i love sega too i'm a fan of video games in general i think video yeah. games are awesome uh, it doesn't matter where a good game comes from. Good games are good games, and I would like to play good games if possible. I agree. That's a, that's a good statement. Yeah, so, I mean, 
people get really hung up on the publisher. I like Nintendo from a nostalgia childhood standpoint, like, oh, this is what I grew up with. And some of my favorite series live there, even if they aren't there anymore. But like right now, Portal 2 is one of my favorite games. Bioshock, Left 4 Dead, or not Left 4 Dead, uh, The Last of Us, and uh, Uncharted. None of those are on Nintendo systems at all. Yeah. So I just don't feel like Nintendo makes, you know, they don't make those kind of games anymore. They they don't uh, appeal to me as hard as they used to. Now it's more of a nostalgia buy. But I do like the Wii U. I, you know, uh, like for co-op games and stuff, I find it to be pretty fun. And then also, I like that I can be watching something on television. If my wife wants to play a game, she can play on the gamepad right next to me. Because she, she games a little bit, but not a ton. Or, you know, vice versa, if she wants to watch something on the TV and I can just, we can hang out and be by each other in the same room. Mm. So, I like that aspect of it as well. What is the best co-op game on Wii U then? Probably Smash Brothers or Mario Mario Kart still. Like, nothing changes mm. there. The Mario Kart is really fun if you haven't played that one. It is a good one. It's probably my favorite Mario Kart, actually. I can see that. Like, I mean, I have nostalgic ones like the N64 for certain reasons, but I can see that in terms of playing. When I think back of it, um, I mean, we don't have a Wii U anymore, but I played a lot of it when we had it. It's uh, They remade a lot of the classic levels. The gameplay was very tight. Um, you know, it was just well done. It added stuff without being, you know, without trying to remake the game. I hate when people say, you know, they start reviewing games and they say, oh, I don't like it. It's too much like the last one. Or, I don't like it, it's not different enough. I felt like it was a nice blend, like it hit that middle point. Yeah, I've never was... been that interested in, in Mario Kart games. I yeah. don't know, they just never really appealed to me. It, it's a game that you can that I play with friends, so that is where the appeal comes from. Like, oh hey, this is something I sit down and play with other people, not something that I play yeah. too much by myself. Even though I have, but for the most part, I, I think of it as a social game. Like for for instance, uh, like Call of Duty, which is a terrible game, and I fully admit that. But I have a lot of friends who play, so I'll join them for the, the social aspect of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, there that that social side of gaming, which I I find enjoyable. Well, usually I don't play a lot of new games when people are here in person. We usually end up playing retro games because I just have a lot more of those. Yeah, <laughs> and I just love. I love finding obscure games, like weird games that I've never heard of or tried before that are a little bit odd and different. And I love showing people those games. So usually when I have people over, I just, I'm, I'm just running around like a lunatic going, Oh my God, have you tried this? Have you seen this one? Oh my God, do you know what this is? And then I just, you know, <laughs> keep shoving like games down their throats basically. Um, but it's fun and people usually appreciate it. Yeah, no, for sure. We uh we just had a game night over and like we were playing Super Bonk on the Super Nintendo and then Fire Vi- Fire and Ice which is uh, Solomon's Key 2 for you, I think, um on the NES. So we were just like we- there's a lot of retro game playing too when people come over and I know Cat uh when she entertains does retro gaming as well. Well, and I think too for people who don't play games still have those memories that, oh, I played this when I was younger at somebody's house. So those, I don't know, they just seem nostalgic. So even though they might not be into games, they can still play that and have an awesome time. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, we've, we've gone pretty long and I could sit here and probably <laughs> talk to you for like three more hours. Um, <laughs> but we should, uh, we should be respectful of everybody's time. So, uh, That's okay. 
let's let's fun. do a quick wrap up of uh what we do in the second half, which is what have you bought lately? Like tell us two or three games you most recently bought. Oh. Um I actually hardly remember. I'm gonna have to go into my eBay list. I get games like every day. It was probably something Tetris related. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I got the last one I got in the mail was Tetris Worlds on PlayStation Two. Okay. Um, I also bought Exploding Kittens, the the board game, because a friend oh. of mine told me it was really good. So yeah, my wife it. wants to play that, and I was like, "What is this?" She tried to get me to buy it like a, a month ago, and I was like, "I don't know about that." It was a lot of fun, actually. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I liked it. All right. I'll tell her I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you get the uh, the not safe for work edition. Oh well, yeah, of course. No, it's no. from ages thirty and up. <laughs> so sorry, cat. Yeah, you can't so, play it. Yep. Oh, I'm damn, not... I'm still too young. <laughs> not too long. That's all right. Two more years. Two more years. Two more years. That's. I guess I don't want to say that. I want to stay as young as possible for as long as possible. Right? Isn't that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I still feel like I'm fifteen, yeah, and no. I act like. <laughs> Cat, you know I forget my age all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm 30. Wait, how old am I? Yeah, usually yeah. you're 35. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, that's pretty much where I stopped. I'm like, I can't get older than 35, right? That's not legitimate for a man older than that to have this many games. <laughs> eh, whatever, I don't care. So, Cat, uh, have you bought anything? Yes, I used my um, my video game birthday money. Okay, now that makes me sound like I'm still in high school. Um, and I did break down lovely eBay, ordered a, um, a Japanese Game Boy Pocket. I'm not saying which color. Obviously, it's not pink or purple because I already have those, but you're all going to have to wait till it gets here. I bet it's the gray one. Actually, you're wrong. Okay, good. Or are you wrong? I don't know. If it's the gray <laughs> one, if you bought the gray one, that's boring. You're gonna to have to wait till it gets here. Okay, I'll 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 wait for the Instagram post. That's fair. And what did I buy? Oh, I bought some. What the hell did I buy? I bought a bunch of PlayStation games because why not? And I bought a bunch of PSP games. Uh, nothing nothing really interesting. I guess Death Junior on the PSP uh, is the most interesting thing. And then I did some trades, and I'll I'll post those up on Instagram. Some some generous people on Instagram gave me some nice trades. I was actually uh, looking for Vampire Killer um, for the uh, MSX. Yes. I already bought it from a uh, from like a collector on Facebook. Um, got a pretty good deal on it, but it was wrapped in plastic, still factory sealed. And I feel kind of bad opening it up, but I really, really want to play it. So I was scouring eBay for a copy that was opened, and uh, I bumped into a game called Vampire Killer for the Amstrad CPC. Oh yeah, the, I didn't... the tape one. Yeah, the tape one. And I didn't even realize that it was for the Amstrad. So I just kind of bought it because it was so cheap. I just picked it up immediately. And then I read afterwards that, damn, this is for the Amstrad. I don't even have one of those. Yeah, you guys got so many weird systems. Like I said, we did not get that many systems. We barely got any. Really? Yeah, no. We... But you got, you did get a lot of Pong clones, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, we got. Yeah. And well, that was part of the problem is like um, in that early age of like Pong and all the early Ataris, it kind of collapsed the market. And, um, you know, it took Nintendo to come in with with their very stringent regulations and how they controlled people and publishers to keep it like a, a healthy market. Yeah. So, that I mean, w- their stranglehold kind of affected how other uh, people entered the market here in America. They didn't do it very well. 
Genesis was like really the only one until PlayStation and PlayStation was a monster that Nintendo and Sony or Nintendo and Sega made. So, you know, their own fault. But you must have had a couple of old computers, right? Yeah. Tom started as a computer like the yes. Commodore and the Amiga. Right. And the Static Spectrum. We we did we did have things like that. But uh computers were not as well known to me. And they, they didn't push as hard into the market as here. Like Commodore sixty four and like the Apple two C were like our big ones and then it just became like generic PC gaming. Yeah, that's something I know nothing about. Yep, I'm I'm pretty woeful. I didn't I didn't either a couple of years ago, but now uh um I've gotten into all of it. And I've learned so much. And it's really exciting. Question about that vampire killer. Are you gonna open it or are you gonna buy a different one? Have you decided? I haven't decided yet. It's kind of expensive to get another one, but then again, it feels sad to have to open it. I usually don't buy factory sealed games because I don't want to have to bear with that issue of having to open them. I yeah, feel that somebody else might have, you know, appreciated the factory sealing more than me. Well, and would you maybe keep... I'm ruining it for them well, <laughs> by opening it because there's one less copy in the world that is sealed. Well, would you I just consider selling that, like finding the other one and selling, selling, selling the sealed one? Because wouldn't that then you'd make a little money that way? Maybe, but then again, I'm a hoarder. I have a really hard time letting stuff go. So once it's in, it's, it's really, it's in. It's in. <laughs> <laughs> I've only traded a few doubles, but then they have to be identical, basically, or one is greater than the other, and I can get rid of one of them. Um, yeah, but it was even hard letting go of that Rondo of Blood for the PC Engine. I had two of them. Yeah, that's one of the ones I still need. Yeah. It's a really good one. Yeah, it, it uh I have the download copy so I've I've played through it. Um but I want the physical one. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I you know, I'm I'm going to call it. I know Cat is on a tight schedule. I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us and being on the show. Uh, no we barely scratched the surface on like your collection and and you. Yeah. So, um would love to have you back on another time, but you've been great. And thank you very much for sharing with us today. It was amazing yeah. to hear about everything because I've been following you since I first started on Instagram. And it's always been amazing seeing the vast <laughs> amount of things you, you collect. And it's really neat to hear about it. Yeah, it's basically everything. <laughs> yeah, and your your collection is uh, so impressively displayed. As someone who takes the time uh, to make sure my collection is displayed nicely, I really appreciate that about your collection. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun, and feel free to let me know if you want me on again. Oh, yeah. I just think it's fun to have people to talk games with. Uh, that's exactly why I started the podcast, because I wanted to talk to people. Well, I mean, like, about getting, none of my friends are hardcore gamers, so it's, you know, you're like, where do I go to get this out? Yeah. All right, why don't you tell us where we can find you on all of the various social media platforms, Hitty? Well, my blog is retro-video-gaming.com, and on um, Instagram, I'm retro-underline-gaming. On Twitter, I'm called retro-underline-game-underline-blog, and then I'm also on YouTube and a bunch of other stuff. But if you go to my blog and about me, there's links to all my social media accounts, basically. Right, and uh, don't forget Geeky Gals. And Geeky Gals. You can find those on, yeah, just Geeky Gals on uh, Instagram. Uh, no, it's just Geeky underscore Gals. Uh, Wait, I just got confused there now. 
I'm always logged in, you know, you can, since you can have several uh, accounts on your thing now, you'd never have to sign in again. Yeah, well, it's, oh, it's actually geeky underscore gals. So, yeah. And the blog is, yeah, geekygals.net's the blog. And Kat, what about you? You can find me at Catsylvania on Instagram, K-A-T-S-E-L-V-A-N-I-A. And you can find me at Johnny underscore Iucci, that's J-O-H-N-N-Y underscore I-U-C-C-I. And you can check out the blog at uh, GameOverJohnny.com, but it's sad. Go to go to Hades' blog instead. Much better. <laughs> All right, cool. everybody. Thanks a lot. Thank you, too.